Support for this podcast comes from San Francisco International Airport. At SFO, you can discover award-winning flavors and unique shops all before takeoff. Learn more about what's at SFO at flysfo.com. From KQED. From KQED in San Francisco, I'm Alexis Madrigal. It's Thanksgiving week, everyone, and if there's one tradition that seems as popular as turkey, it's that thing where you go around the table and say what you're thankful for. Well, we're here to help you out with that little ritual. Today's show is on the psychology of gratitude. There's plenty of research in social science that says gratitude is good for you. But is there a dark side to the pressure to always feel grateful for what you have? And when things look dark politically or the continuing injustices of the world are loud in your mind, what use is gratitude then? We'll talk about the practice and complexities surrounding gratitude. That's all coming up next after this news. Welcome to Forum. I'm Alexis Madrigal. So... Here's a short list of things I'm grateful for in the Bay Area. Fuyu persimmons, this golden fall light, the ferry system, Mount Diablo, Mount Tam, La Palma Mexicatessen, La Doña, the staff at Games of Berkeley, Serpentine, Sutro Tower, the islands of the Delta, Mariposa lilies. And I could keep going. Honestly, I could. But, you know, after listing just a few things like that, I feel better about my life here, which squares with the basics of the research on gratitude. This is a gratitude show, the research around and the cultivation of this very specific way of relating to the people and world around you. We're joined this morning by Carvel Wallace, a writer, formerly Slate's parenting advice columnist and host of Slate's podcast, Mom and Dad Are Fighting. He's working on a book about childhood trauma. Welcome. Thank you. Happy to be here. Also joined by Emiliana Simon-Thomas, Science Director of the Greater Good Science Center at UC Berkeley. Welcome. Honored to be here. Thank you. Emiliana, why don't we start with you? Just talk definitions here. Is there a specific, like, scholarly definition of gratitude, or is it just kind of being thankful? (laughs) Great question. And the answer is probably uh, more complicated than you hoped because there's, there's two. There's two ways that researchers think about gratitude. One is as a dispositional characteristic, kind of like part of your personality. Hmm. You might be a grateful person who walks the world and you always notice what's good that that you get to enjoy without having to work towards it or earn it. The other is to think of gratitude as a specific time-limited emotional experience where you notice right in a particular context that something good has occurred for you. Uh, You connect it to the actions and efforts of another person. You know that they did it on purpose, and and it's made a difference for you. So there's that, like, momentary emotional experience, Mm. and there's the overall kind of dispositional personality trait of gratitude. Emiliana, what do you think? Which do you are you overall on a dispositional level a grateful person? I try, I try, <laughs> Alexis. I gotta walk the talk, right? This is the work I do. Um, yeah. I, we do know that the more you you practice it, the more you actually introduce moments of that emotional experience of gratitude into your daily life, the more likely you're gonna sort of ratchet up that dispositional gratitude. Mm. Um, let's start with sort of the good and what what the research says. I mean. 
is it actually healthy for you to practice gratitude or to feel gratitude? Like health, healthy at like what level? Oh, yeah. I mean, uh, the early studies done by my colleague Bob Emmons at UC Davis showed that people who practice gratitude, they're just they, they complain less about physical uh, discomforts and a really simple list that any of us might relate to headaches, muscles, soreness, uh, stomach complaints, whatever it is. People who practice gratitude for a few weeks just just don't feel those things as much. Now, that's that that's for the average person. But if you think about people in clinical situations, there's research from Jeff Huffman at Harvard showing that people at, in hospitalized for cardiovascular events uh, who then learn to practice gratitude or who come in. Uh, with a higher score on measures of gratitude, they do better. They're less likely to experience a secondary event. Um, They're more likely to follow health behaviors. There's research showing that people who are more grateful sleep better. Um, My my friend and colleague at UCSF, Wendy Mendez, did a study looking at gratitude and kind of everyday physiological metrics like blood pressure and heart rate. And there are benefits there. People's blood pressure is lower if they're experiencing gratitude more often. Gosh. You know, uh, Carvel, how about you? Dispositionally, do you think you were <laughs> someone who was born grateful, or did you have to try and make yourself into a more grateful person? You know, it's in- oh, oh, oh Carvel, sorry. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Go oh, ahead, yeah, Carvel. no. <laughs> no, it's interesting because I, I've never thought about that as being the split before. I feel like um, my, I don't know what I was born like because I was not, I don't know, but, but I do know that the things I experienced when I was very young mm-hmm. um, have played a big part in my feelings of gratitude because um, certain things that I didn't wasn't able to take for granted because of the way my childhood was like mm-hmm. sometimes not having a place to sleep or not having a home or not having food or not just whatever I experienced as a kid has made it so that even today when I crawl into bed at night, there is a part of me that goes, wow, this is amazing. Like you have mm-hmm. a warm bed to sleep in at night that's how cool is that so i don't know if that's dispositionally or if that's something i was mm-hmm. you know like that i developed through practice but the experience of not of knowing that everything that i enjoy currently that is good is something that i don't necessarily that is i can't take for granted i think mm-hmm. that's kind of where the root of my um kind of like default gratitude comes in and then on top of that i've developed over the years of practice with it because as was just said, like the practice of gratitude makes my life a lot easier to navigate. Yeah. Well, what is the pra- What is your practice of it? Well, um, some things I do that are that are like um, like practical and concrete. Like I have fr- other friends that I literally practice gratitude with. Like we will text each other in the morning. These are the things I'm grateful for. Um, and they'll text you. And sometimes someone will text you like three days in a row, and you won't respond because you'll just be so like obsessed with your own stuff that you don't even hear it. But like the fourth day, they'll be like, I'm grateful for the trees. And like you said, the persimmons and for my kid who's like made it to school on time this morning. And then you'll go, oh yeah, that's cool. Wow. And then you'll you'll respond with your grateful stuff. And just like having gratitude, the concrete practice is the sharing with other people. But the impact is that it creates a space where gratitude is always present in my life as a, as a thing I can go to when I'm feeling overwhelmed or troubled. Do you have anything from your gratitude list this morning that you could share with us? Um, I didn't. I haven't done one this morning yet because I completely stumbled backwards into this um, interview. Forgot that it was happening. <laughs> was, did not go to the city as I was supposed to. So, um, but I can do one quickly, which is that uh, I'm really grateful that I that I'm here to talk to you guys today about gratitude. 
I'm really grateful that I woke up today and had food to eat and coffee to drink and some water. I'm super grateful for my bed. I have this, um, I have this, um, this duvet that I switch when it gets cold. Like I have a white, <laughs> I have like a, you know, and so I have this mm -hmm. winter duvet that's like, that I was this full splurge thing. And it's like this velour, whatever. And I put that on this weekend. I was like, it's cold enough for the duvet. And I'm just like, I've just been really loving that duvet right now. It's like warm. <laughs> just and heavy. feel that weight. Yeah. Love it. So like, I'm grateful for that. And I'm really always grateful for that. There are people in my life who love me. Um, even if they're annoying me, um, which many of them are currently, uh, I'm always grateful <laughs> that these people exist. <laughs> you know, Carvel, they might be listening. I just want to know. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure they are. Yeah. <laughs> um, we're talking about gratitude with Carvel Wallace, writer and uh, podcast host, working on a book about childhood trauma, and Emiliana Simon-Thomas, science director of the Greater Good Science Center at UC Berkeley. Tell us what's on your gratitude list today. What's your equivalent of the winter duvet or the people uh, around you who love you, even if they're annoying you? You can give us a call. The number is 866-733-6786. We're hoping to take a lot of, lot of calls, a lot of gratitude on the, on the show today. Again, the number is 866-733-6786. Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, we're KQED Forum, and the email is forum at kqed.org. Uh, Emiliana, I don't know if you made a gratitude list this morning, but I wanted to give you a chance too if you had a gratitude list to share with us. Yeah, well, Alexis, I'll just I'll, I'll drill down on one thing that I'm grateful for because one of the things that I've learned from my own research and studying the literature is that when we express gratitude for people the way that Carvel did, um, there's a way to make it really powerful. And that is to be specific about it. And so I'm going to uh, demonstrate gratitude for, for my 10-year-old son, Orion. So what did Orion do this morning? He got up a little bit early. Uh, and while I was getting ready to drive out to the city and be part of this interview um, or this conversation, he made his best omelet that he <laughs> put together. He put onions in it. He put cheese in it. He broke the eggs. He cooked it. And he went through all this effort, and I got to come down, and it was just there on the table. And he put a little avocado next to it and said, if you want some avocado, you can put it on there. And um, and it, it was just very nourishing and wonderful and thoughtful. He made that for you. Oh, he made I it thought, for me. I thought he, were, he made his own breakfast. That was just all for well, you. Well, he did that too, but he made enough to share. So <laughs> it really made a difference for me to feel so uh, supported and thought thought about. And, and so the, the, what I did there was – Describe what he did, acknowledge his effort, and explain how it benefited me. And and when I teach this in a in a kind of workshop setting, I call it gratitude one two three. If you want to really uh, ramp up your gratitude, express it in a way that's specific to another person. To me, that's that's one of the most powerful ways to exercise and practice gratitude. And is that because you end up thinking about all those little details, you know, the break in the eggs, the fact that the little avocado was included? Or is it or is it the other person hearing that you notice those details is what sort of generates this feedback loop? It's both. What we know from gratitude science is that we feel a, a stronger, we have a stronger emotional experience when we perceive that this goodness that has come to us has come 
through somebody else's intentional effort that they've gone out of their way to do it and that it's really made a difference. So when so when we we relay those details, we explain them or describe them, like you said, we're sort of savoring that dynamic in a way that that magnifies the experience of gratitude in the moment, both for the person who's expressing it and the person who's being recognized and validated for how they've contributed to your to your goodness mm. in that day. Mm. You yeah. know, oh, go ahead. No, I was just going to say that this reminds me of something that I often think about, which is, you know, there's a this has been said many times, but the one I the version of this I think about is in was in the movie. Um, oh, why am I Lady Bird, where mm-hmm. um, where she's being confronted by the, the by the nun because she pulled a prank and the nun says, oh, I, I read your essays about Sacramento. You really love this place. And she says, I don't love it. I just pay attention. And the nun says, aren't aren't those the same thing? Mm-hmm. And this notion that 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 to pay attention to something is a form of love that appears all throughout all kinds of literature and and that's very heavily factors into the way that I've written my book but what what I just hear in this story about the omelet and about the specific one two three of gratitude like communication is that part of the power of it is that it's a way of paying attention it's like we turn our attention to the little things that we might not really hold we see them but we don't hold them so like a bird lands we wake up it's warm we have an omelet we might say this is nice but the actual practice of like literally turning our attention to those things i feel like generates a greater capacity for love which then impacts everything else that i experience in the in the world yes ah, that's beautiful we're talking about gratitude with carvel wallace a writer, as you can tell, he's working on a book about childhood trauma. We're also joined by Emiliana Simon-Thomas, who's science director of the Greater Good Science Center at UC Berkeley. You can give us a call and tell us what's on your gratitude list today, as specific as possible from what you can hear. Maybe you've got a loved one out there who's listening. The number's 866-733-6786. That's 866-733-6786. I'm Alexis Madrigal. We're taking calls after the break. Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set 10 years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. We've all got those parts of our house where the internet just won't go. Well, if you had wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you could worry less about dead spots. Because with wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you get fast speeds, reliable connection in every room, and power for all of your devices, even when everyone's online. That's wall-to-wall Wi-Fi only with Xfinity. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. Welcome back to Forum. I'm Alexis Madrigal. It is the week of Thanksgiving, and we're talking about gratitude with Emiliana Simon-Thomas, Science Director of the Greater Good Science Center at the University of California, Berkeley, and Carvel Wallace, a writer in Oakland, working on a book about childhood trauma, and you might know him from Slate's Parenting Advice uh, column and Slate Podcast, Mom and Dad Are Fighting. So I promise we're going to go to the phones early today, and we are Jules in Petaluma. Welcome. Hi. Thank you. Oh, go ahead. Oh, okay. I I just wanted to say 
what a tremendous difference my gratitude practice has made in my life. I had a lot of mental health struggles for many, many years, and probably for the past dozen years or so, I've had a daily gratitude practice where I email with a friend and now with my brother three gratitudes every single day. And I like to say uh, that if it's a bad day, maybe my gratitude is that I didn't get hit by a bus, and that's fine. (laughs) And (laughs) I've used this. um, I work in homeless services. And when I would start a group with my clients, I would say, let's go around and do three gratitudes. And really, if it's a crappy day and if the sun is shining, maybe that's your gratitude. And it it has made just the largest difference in my life. I'm truly a grateful person. And I was listening. I don't think I was born into that. Mm. (laughs) I think I cultivated that with this practice. So thank you for having this beautiful conversation. Jules, you want to share anything from your list today? Oh, my gosh. My list today. Well, last night I was grateful for a neighbor who stopped over and gave us some beautiful mushrooms that she had collected from the forest. Mm. And this morning I am grateful for a walk that I took around my neighborhood and I got to say hi to some neighborhood dogs. And that kind of thing really uplifts me. And noting it really, really makes a difference. Yeah. Oh, man, that's nice. Thank you so much, uh, Mm. Jewel. Thank you. (laughs) You know, uh, Carpel, I wanted to ask you, you know, it can be complicated. People's lives, uh, childhoods, traumas, you know, just what's what's happening on, a, on a, any given day can be very tough. Mm-hmm. Is there a, I don't know, can, can gratitude be misused? I don't know exactly how to ask questions. Yes. Can, can it be used to paper over yes. maybe some of the things either outside or inside that are tough? Yeah, I do think that 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 both gratitude kind of like the gratitude industrial complex and like the, <laughs> yeah, the love right. industrial complex can, i think they can be misused to kind of paper over and um kind of spirit spiritually bypass mm-hmm. like systemic harms personal harm um systems of oppression violence racism etc like class struggle all this stuff and so i i always think it's very important and i'm really glad that you asked this i always think it's really important for me personally to like weave in Um, my gratitude practice into these other struggles for liberation that are important to me that I don't just like have gratitude because everything great is happening and that's all I do. And, you know, like I, like the, I, the reason I practice gratitude is so that I have the energy to show up and work for my liberation and the liberation of my community. It, 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 there's this um, particular balance that I think we have to strike in a difficult world when we're fighting to better a difficult world. We have to, on the one hand, acknowledge um, what is broken. And at the same time, we have to hold optimism that our work towards fixing what is broken can matter. And if I fall into only noticing what is broken, this is the attention thing again, mm-hmm. then I lose the energy to say, and therefore let me get up and work for this and do this. In other words, I say nothing matters because everything sucks. It's always sucked. People have always been this way. Everything's been screwed. And if that's a, certainly a valid way to feel, this, I'm not saying no one should feel that way. I'm saying that for me, the problem is if I feel that way too long, I can't do anything because I'm just bummed. So this gratitude practice is for me a kind of fuel that helps me 
recognize not only what is wrong, but what is right and what is working so that I can get up and contribute more to my work in life, which is how can I create community? How can I uplift people? How can I bring about personal and collective liberation? Yeah, it seems like, you know, a lot of people may know that meme. It's like a rotating words that say, lol, nothing matters. I feel like almost nothing is more dispiriting or like blocking mm. of, you know, personal or, or, or systemic change than that exact uh, sentiment. Um, yeah. let's, let's go back to the phones um, and we'll keep bouncing back and forth. Uh, Kenneth in Santa Rosa, welcome. Hey, this is Kenneth. I just got to Santa Rosa, and it's funny to hear you guys on the radio. I am just arrived for a custody evaluation, and and through this process of a long divorce, you know, which is not always fun, it's actually opened me up spiritually and more to God, and be thankful for all the earth angels I have and everybody who's taken care of me. Mm-hmm. Sorry, a little tough. No, very it's all right, Ken. For- yeah. I'm very grateful for everyone in my life, and especially my kids. And I have a friend named Mike, a friend named Kareem, and a friend named Sandy, and another friend who's in Maryland who sends me spirituals every day to help me through this. And I'm very grateful. And this Thanksgiving is very special. Yeah. Hey, so thank you. Yeah, no, thank you. Thank you for sharing that, and good luck in there. And, you know, we appreciate you in sharing that. Uh, you know, Miliana, what does, like, we, you know, we hear, we hear Kenneth and we hear, you know, the kind of emotion that gratitude can, can produce in people, particularly when they've been going through a difficult thing and have, you know, really leaned on and been held by people. What, what do we know about? about gratitude at sort of different times like this, you know, gratitude when, you know, you're on top and gratitude when things are, are, are really rough. Are they, are they different things? Does it do different things for us? Really good question. And I just want to first honor and acknowledge yeah. Kenneth and thank him for his vulnerability and his authenticity. And, um, yeah, uh, it, it really pulled at my heartstrings oh, to hear yeah. that. And, what what I what I think about this question about when is or how does gratitude change in different contexts and different situations? Of course, it's a lot easier when things are going well, right? Because you can notice pretty readily what it is that's right in front of you that feels good. Um, when it's when when times are more difficult, it's a little bit more effortful to to kind of dwell in and and as Carvel said, really attend and notice the things that are there that are good. Uh, an important part of gratitude that I think Kenneth's story highlighted is that it's usually goodness that, that you didn't have to earn or you didn't have to work for, right? Your friendships, um, the, 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 you know, as Carvel said, you know, his, his, the warmth of his bed. Carvel didn't have to like sew up his duvet and find the filling and make it himself, or, but uh, it, it's something that a whole lot of other people contributed to, and so recognizing that is just a way of remembering that you belong in some regards. That the that there are others out there. That there's a context, there's an environment that 
is there for you. And I think that is where gratitude really helps with resilience, where gratitude as, as a demeanor, as a way of seeing the world, allows you to notice what you can draw strength and power from, as opposed to, as, as Carvel said earlier, as opposed to kind of getting lost in the spiral of despair. You know, we sometimes need gratitude to restore that sense of calm and ease and uh, just meaningful connection with our communities. I just, yeah, I mean, I, I think that's one thing that really strikes me about what you just said is that um, the thing about the duvet and 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 what was shared about the people in this in the caller's life, the other aspect of that is that it, it's the opposite of isolation. Mm-hmm. And isolation oftentimes for me is the, that's my real Achilles heel, is the feeling that I, it doesn't matter what I do. No one even cares. I, I'm not even part of anything. I'm just this weird writer who lives in an apartment. <laughs> you know? And like, and, and that's, that's, that's like my brain tells me that stuff. It's not true, but my brain can certainly spin that argument up if under the right circumstances. And so part of what gratitude does is it reminds me that I'm connected to other people mm-hmm. and that I'm not alone. And that also gives me a kind of um, spiritual energy to get up and move, or even at the very least care for myself. And I think another thing that this reminds me of, you know, my dad was a um, Washington DC cab driver for many years when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. And um, one day he, he went to warm up his car because you had to do that back in the like eighties, you know, like yeah, car right, warm. Right. So he warmed up his car and then he went inside to make a sandwich. When he came out, his car was gone. Someone had stolen his car. And I was asking him about that. And I was like, he, I didn't live with him, but he was telling me the story. He's like, yeah, someone stole my car. And I was like, oh my God, you must've been so upset. And he said, well, at least I still had my sandwich. And, <laughs> <laughs> and I think about that story a lot. It made a huge impact on me because um, he was make, making a joke, but that's it was a joke about his worldview. And I guess what I take from that now is that a lot of times what I'm grateful for is not what I have, but what didn't happen. Like I'm grateful that I didn't, die today i'm grateful that i didn't fall down a flight of steps and break my leg today it's not you know what i mean so like sometimes at the no matter how bad things are there's always something that i have currently that someone else wishes they had and that's the thing that keeps me both connected and humble in the in the practice of gratitude yeah let's bring in uh susan and her daughter uh, quinn hey susan hi everyone hi thank you so much for this um, I am so grateful for this opportunity um, and have to listen to other people's gratitude makes me more grateful. And I'm especially grateful to have this time with my daughter. We're both off from work and school and we're just doing errands together. But it's one of the rare times we're alone together and can just chat. And um, our relationship is changing into more peer than mm. her being my baby. And it's beautiful. And I'm just grateful for my mm. kid. Hey, Quinn, are you there, too? Having together. Can Quinn hear us? Yeah, she's here. Speak up, oh. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, Quinn, what are, what are you grateful for? Oh, I can't hear you. I'm so bummed. I want to hear what you're grateful for, Quinn. She's saying she's grateful for Starbucks and <laughs> um, a roof over her head. And, um, and I think she also said for hanging... I think she said there's only one more errand left, you know. <laughs> we, haven't even, we haven't even started. Oh, yeah. uh, Susan anyway, this and, is wonderful. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you so much. Great to, great to hear from you, too. 
I love, love, love when we have kids who call into the show. It's it's like too rare. If you're yeah. out there with your kids, I, I want to hear them. It's so <laughs> fun. I love hearing their voices. Um, let's go. Uh, let's go straight to uh, Tariq in Fremont. How are you? Hey, we're good. We're good. Go ahead. Yes, great. I just wanted to remind the audience uh, or, or inform them that. You know, ancient civilizations also were concerned with expressing gratitude. For instance, in ancient Egypt, uh, they expressed gratitude. Well, well, one of the ways they expressed gratitude was by gift-giving on special occasions, such as the birth of a new child or the arrival of a new year. And even a simple, um, the, the simple gesture of giving a New Year's greeting like, May your year open happily or happy new year was an expression of gratitude. Uh, let me give you another, another example of how they express gratitude. At the uh, passing of Pharaoh Sethi I, his son and successor Ramses II undertook the massive responsibility of restoring some of the inscriptions in uh, his father's tomb. And in that tomb, uh, Sethi I was made to say, see every day I am full of joy because I come back to life. Mm-hmm. Ramses II understood what that meant. His father was telling him that to promote, uh, to pronounce his name and to commemorate his father's life and legacy was an expression of gratitude. And in a very real sense, it caused his father to live again because the king lived on in his mm-hmm. successor and mm-hmm. son. Ramsey. Wow, that's interesting, Tariq. Thank you uh, so much for for filling us in on that. I, you know, I, Emiliana, what it really brings up for me is this question of: Does the tr- you know? There's many different traditions, and everyone is kind of drawing on their own set of of markers and and histories for thinking about how to express uh, gratitude. Do we know? Do we have research on how different kind of global traditions have done this, and if if that affects the way that people feel or express gratitude? Yeah, well, uh, as the caller pointed out, you know, gratitude is a core theme in most major religions. Uh, there isn't, there's very few philosophical outlooks or spiritual outlooks that would uh, not have gratitude as part of their canon. Um, that said, uh, is it really the the space of religion and philosophy and kind of spiritual scripture to in, infuse humanity with gratitude. To some extent, that's that can be argued, but there's a whole other argument that gratitude is is an evolved capacity. Mm-hmm. Um, researchers like Franz mm-hmm. DeWall, a famous uh, primatologist, has written books about how primates actually uh, behave in ways that indicate that they experience gratitude and that gratitude is this core kind of process that uh, enables humans to identify who are the kind of moral partners who they would like to interact with again, who do they want to have a long-term mutually supportive social bond with, who are they going to look to when they actually need support uh, because humans are an ultra-social species. Like, we rely on one another. I think that... um, 
Harvell mentioned that that isolation, that loneliness is his Achilles heel. You know what? That's everyone's Achilles heel. Humans are not designed for being isolated or being ostracized or being alone. And gratitude is this like, again, innate process of that helps us recognize each other and to notice who we want to enter into relationship. And mm-hmm. researchers who study long-term social bonds, marital partners, uh, I'm thinking of Sarah Algo at the University. University of North Carolina have shown that when partners thank each other more spontaneously and more often, they're more satisfied in their relationships. They're less likely to, to, to separate. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, they're, they, they live into the, the, the later stages of life and continue that kind of sweet mm-hmm. elderly bond. So, so yeah, gratitude is, is both innate and in, uh, inherent to humans and, and their mental life. And it's also something that many of our traditions and cultural practices reiterate and reinforce. Mm-hmm. Real simple thing, a uh, comment from Brittany who writes in to say, I'm grateful for this conversation. My son is eight and I'd love to start practicing gratitude more as a family. How do you recommend, quote unquote, starting, as it were? <laughs> um, role model yeah that's exactly what i was gonna say i mean it's just the like kids don't as soon as you make it a rule like now nah, you have to say three things you're grateful for then it's just like i'm i'll be grateful when this is over you know like <laughs> i'm grateful for tiktok <laughs> yeah, exactly um but uh no i think it is role. i think as a parenting advice columnist and just someone who's now you know i really related to the caller talking about coming into a more peer type relationship with their kids because you know, my son um, is 19 now. He moved to New York to live there. He's actually flying back tonight for oh, man, um, you must Thanksgiving. Be yeah, and and what's even more exciting is that his sister and his best friend from high school are picking him up from the airport. Like, we're not even picking him up. And so it's like the kids have this, there's this feeling of the kids have taken on their generation of being adults. Like, mm-hmm. I don't even know when his flight is coming in. And I was like, she asked me, I was like, you need to work that out with him. The idea that they are out in the world being who they are mm-hmm. has given me some perspective on how we raise them. And one of the things that has become so clear is that n- nothing we've told them matters. <laughs> it's <laughs> they really <laughs> model themselves after who we actually are in the world. Mm. Like, exactly. like, you know, who we are. And so terrifying. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. So if I was on this, uh, if I was, you know, on, on Slate's mom and dad are fighting, like, and I got this question about how do you, you know, how do I teach my eight year old gratitude? I would, I would say that, that, you do it practice gratitude yeah so yeah like actively say these are things i'm grateful for i'm so grateful for this food i'm so grateful that we have a place to live etc yeah Yeah. and say thank you to people we're talking gratitude with carvel wallace and emiliana simon thomas we'll take more of your calls and comments when we get back from the break Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set 10 years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. We've all got those parts of our house where the internet just won't go. 
Well, if you had wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you could worry less about dead spots. Because with wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you get fast speeds, reliable connection in every room, and power for all of your devices, even when everyone's online. That's wall-to-wall Wi-Fi only with Xfinity. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. Welcome back to Forum. I'm Alexis Madrigal. We are talking about gratitude with Emiliana Simon Thomas, Science Director of the Greater Good Science Center at UC Berkeley, and writer Carvel Wallace, who was formerly Slate's parenting advice columnist and host of the Slate podcast, Mom and Dad Are Fighting. He's working on a book about childhood trauma. We'd love to hear from you. You can tell us what's on your gratitude list. Uh, phone lines are pretty full, but you can still try and give us a call, 866-733-6786. Or Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, that's a good way. We're KQED Forum. And the email, of course, is forum at kqed.org. Um, I want to get into some pretty pretty tough comments that have, uh, that have come in. Um, so uh, Kirsten writes, um, Gratitude got me through the most difficult time of my life. My daughter was born premature with many birth defects and issues, and I was so grateful that she was alive. It really made every moment precious, and every challenge easier because we could have not been facing those challenges. The gratitude for just having the experience of each challenge challenge makes it easier. We could have died, and then we would have had one bigger painful challenge. John writes in to say, In spousal loss grief groups and counseling, we are advised to express gratitude every day to help work through our grief. Unfortunately, five years after losing Erlinda, the love of my life for 35 years. I still find expressing gratitude for anything other than that relationship an artificial exercise. I'm just throwing it to you two uh, for John. What do you say? You know, a lot of times people think that gratitude is sort of a a cover-up for other unpleasant emotional experiences like grief or anger or fear. Um, and as far as, as I can read from the, the research on emotions and, and their role in our mental life, it doesn't, it doesn't really work that way. It can kind of introduce some different flavor into an emotional experience, but, but grief is real and grief is incredibly important. It's our, it's our response to irrevocable loss, and f- expressing it is, is, is central. We, we, we need to be able to express that grief. When we express it, the other people in our lives who are our support network uh, come to our aid. They, they give us that support, that sense of belonging and connection and pro- being provided for, right, in the face of this profound loss. So, so I think we just have to be careful that we don't try to use gratitude to paint over mm-hmm. or replace or stifle another un, uh, perhaps undesirable but essential emotional experience that helps us navigate life's challenges and setbacks and losses. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I would I, I agree 100% with that. And I also think that there's, a for me, a really important relationship between gratitude and honesty. Like I can't, I can't, some people will say, you know, fake it till you make it. And like, that's fine. But for me, I, if I say I'm I'm grateful for my duvet, it's because 
it's not because I'm making it up. It's because I actually experienced the duvet. And then I go, well, that's cool that I have this. I'm so happy that it would suck if I didn't have it. That's gratitude. But it has to be honest. Otherwise, it doesn't work. And what I hear in that letter is that this person has one place of gratitude that is really honest for them. And it's gratitude for the experience of that love. And that is a beautiful gratitude. It's tied to pain because there's loss, but there's also gratitude for the mere fact that it existed, that you met this person of all the billions of people on this mm -hmm. planet, you met this person and you got to be with them. That is a tremendously beautiful thing. Mm -hmm. To recognize that doesn't fix anything. It simply waters the parts of ourselves as human beings that need to remember that there is love and that there is beauty. Mm -hmm. And so if that's the honest gratitude, lean into that gratitude. Yep. David writes in another comment to say, when someone shares their gratitude for me or something I've done, my first reaction is to dismiss it and say it was nothing. Mm -hmm. But occasionally someone will insist a second or third or fourth time until I accept it. And in that moment, I truly feel loved knowing that someone truly sees me despite me downplaying myself. I think an important part of practicing gratitude is both in the giving and the receiving of gratitude. What are your thoughts on gracefully receiving gratitude from others or advice for those of us who instinctually dismiss it? A hundred percent agreement. And I have the same impulse to, to just nod it off or wave my hand and say, no, no, of course I would do it anyway. And for some reason, I think it comes from trying to uh, reduce the likelihood that somebody else feels indebted to you. And there's something kind of um, uh, uh, kind of parallel uh, between gratitude and indebtedness. They, they happen in, in, a, in, in unison often. Uh, and indebtedness plays a different role, right? It, it's, it's the engine of reciprocity. It's that keeping track of who did what for me and what do I have to do for somebody else. And when we, when we try to not feel grateful, or try, uh, it, it's usually about trying to like uh, save someone else from that that feeling right. of there's indebtedness. A, there's a kind of nobility to it in yeah. a sense. Yeah. But uh, I really love how the caller said if the person keeps going, right? And, and in many ways, I'm hoping that that ends up being a little bit more like the specific gratitude that I tried to describe mm -hmm. earlier in our discussion. Mm -hmm. Then the gratitude prevails. And that is about love and trust and social bond it, and mutual support. It, it's not about indebtedness anymore. Um, so, so I think uh, as a as a recipient of of somebody else's expression of gratitude, to the extent that you can not fake it till you make it, but maybe stretch your comfort zone a little bit and and welcome another person's expression of gratitude with a little bit more open heartedness. Like, mm. yes, I am here for you, and that's why I did this because we're in this together. Not so much. Yes, now I expect something back from you in some undefined future time, right? Which, unfortunately, we just have a lot of transactional ethos mm -hmm. in, in our social sphere, in, in particularly in the U.S. and, and in mm -hmm. other individualistic contemporary cultures. So we kind of got to, you know, bat against that, guard against that, and, and welcome and embrace that exchange of, of gratitude. Again, it's about love and, and not indebtedness. Mm -hmm. That's nice. Um, let's go to uh, Victoria in Brisbane. Welcome, Victoria. Hi. Thanks for taking my call. Um, I am super grateful for...
for my job. I've been a dog walker for nine years in the city, and my dogs have gotten me through thick and thin. I've had some for the entirety of my business, so for seven, eight years. And, um, like, through COVID, they seriously kept my spirits up. Hmm. And my clients, they're humans, are the most amazing, generous people in the whole world. And I'm just very grateful to have the opportunity to say this on air. I'm hoping some of them are listening. (laughs) (laughs) But I absolutely pinch myself every day that I go and I pick up my beautiful pack. (laughs) I love that. I love the uh, all the dogs showing up. Uh, people are definitely <laughs> grateful for their for their animals. Um, let's go straight to Goldie in Palo Alto. Hey, Goldie. Hi. Thank you for thank you for taking my call. How are you? Hey, we're good. We're good. What's your uh, gratitude list? Well, every day, every morning, every night, when I'm going to bed, when I'm waking up, I am. I touch my right hand, I touch my left hand, I touch my legs. I keep I keep saying thank you for working for me today. Mm. Uh, sorry for putting you towards all that work today. <laughs> thank you for walking for me. I put my hand on my heart. I thank my heart for working. It's just start with small things. People who don't appreciate life, people who don't see the positivity and don't have gratitude, they have, they are more prone to have depression. I'm so thankful and grateful that people of Iran are waking up and seeing the first vital thing that has been missing from their life for mm-hmm. past 43 years is their freedom and they are fighting for their freedom. Mm-hmm. I'm thankful for all the people in Europe and in U.S. that are supporting them. They are seeing that this is a real thing. I'm really grateful for letting God see, making them to see what's missing from their life, which was freedom, which was Mm. just having the choice, the free choice that God has given us, and it was taken away from them. They're fighting, and I'm so thankful that they're bringing the light back to their lives. Goldie, thank you so much. I feel like, you know, Carvel, I think, um, Goldie, really appreciate you you're sharing that practice and also just the, the fire of of what's happening in, in Iran, continuing protests there. And I, what's really interesting, Carvel, is she kind of like connected some of the things that you've been talking about, kind of this, this gratitude that's kind of internal for, for the self mm-hmm. and also using that to kind of power gratitude for this external political change that, that many Iranians here are, are hoping for in Iran. Yeah, I mean, I I think that um, again, I this I I just I can't stress enough that gratitude should not for me. I cannot use it as 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 a dishonest means to sort of paper over things that are difficult. It is not that, and I and I do think that there are some people who want it to be that, and for me, it cannot be that. It is really only fuel for me to understand and remember to work for liberation. And one of the things that was interesting about the dog walker caller that just dawned on me is that I related to, obviously dogs are, not everyone loves them. I love them. They're beautiful. (laughs) We don't deserve them, all that. And it's also like, it's also like part of what I get from my gratitude practice is it reminds me what I need to Mm. be whole. Like, in other words, if I say, wow, I really, these dogs really got me through pandemic. It, it it dismantles the part of my brain that's like, you're fine. You did it yourself. Everything's great. It's like, no, mm. I needed 
someone to look up at me with love. I needed warmth in bed with me at night. I actually need that. And when you are honest about what you need, it is easier to recognize what other people need, which makes it easier and clearer to work and fight for making sure that everyone has what they need. So we gratitude puts me in touch with my needs, which makes me a more compassionate, caring, giving person for other people. Mm-hmm. Mm. That's beautiful. Let's let's go back to the phones. I want to try to get to as many people as possible because I'm grateful for these calls. Uh, jo- Johanna in San Mateo. Hi. Hi. How's it going? Great. Can you hear me? Yeah, sure can. Go ahead. Oh, awesome! Thank you for taking my call. Um, I'm a middle school teacher. I teach uh, sixth and eighth grade English, and I just wanted to give thanks for my students. I think. Kids have been through a lot in the last two years, and we tend to focus a lot on what their challenges are. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think if we had faced those challenges as young people, we would not be as mature and compassionate as my young people are today. And I am just so grateful for them. We're on break this week, and I actually miss them. <laughs> they're going to roll their eyes if they're listening. <laughs> they think I'm the cringiest. Um, but I just love them. I think that they're so wonderful and you know, teenagers, especially 12, 13-year-olds, they get a bad rap because, you know, they're hormonal and they're going through a lot. But they, deep down, are just really good, compassionate people. And I'm mm. just so grateful that I get to hang out with them every day. Uh, I love that. Johanna in San Mateo. If any of your students are listening, she really does care for you and love <laughs> you. My dad works at middle school, too. He loves that age kid. Um, let's go uh, Marsha in Windsor. Good morning. Um, I am feeling so incredibly appreciative of the fact of being sitting here in my bed. I'm not out of bed yet. (laughs) (laughs) I'm jealous. A a cozy bed, connecting with each and all of you in this practice, which is one of my most beloved spiritual and practical practices. I've been teaching mindfulness for about 40 years, and I write a column in the Sonoma County Gazette on well-being, and this is one of my favorite things. And I just like to nuance, to add to the evolution of our practices, that um, there's a difference that I've learned between the feeling of gra- gratitude, like, I'm glad that didn't happen, or, you know, I'm glad, I'm glad I have this and so-and-so doesn't or something, and the, the end of the spectrum where you are in a deep state of appreciation mm-hmm. of whatever it is you're attending to or focusing on, mm-hmm. and it comes to life, and you feel connected with all life, and it's just such a beautiful state to be in. Yeah. And then I've learned the law of attraction, et cetera, et cetera. When I'm in that state, more of it comes to me. Mm-hmm. So the whole of being able to live this way and and turn on my radio this morning <laughs> to get away from a leaf blower, that was gratitude, <laughs> I could distracted me from the leaf blower next door, and find this gorgeous conversation happening in our community. Thank you all so wow. much. And I'm so grateful for being alive today. Thank you, Marsha. Thank you so much. I want to get to one last call. Let's get Stuart in San Francisco. Hey, Stuart. Hey, thank you for this beautiful conversation. Um, I am grateful for the words that my father sent me after the shooting at the Pulse Mm. nightclub in Orlando, because um, when the shooting happened at Club Q in Colorado Springs yesterday, Mm -hmm. you know, unfortunately, my father is now deceased. 
So there's that tension between grief and gratitude that one of your other callers mm -hmm. mentioned. But I went back to the words that my father sent me after Orlando, and he said, more than ever, you have my love and support and total empathy for what you and your whole community are enduring. This cuts close to home. Special love, Dad. <sighs> and, you know, when he sent that to me after the Orlando shooting, I actually wasn't quite sure what special love was. <laughs> he never wrote that to me before, those mm. words. But now as I look at those words after the shooting at Club Q, I'm like, I know what the special love is, Dad, even though he's not here to tell me. I, I know. And I'm feeling that special love, and I'm so grateful for it, and I'm grateful to tell all of you. Oh, Stuart, I think there's probably a lot of people out there who, who need to hear that. So thank you so much for that call, and, and thanks to your dad, too. Um, yeah. You know, Carvel, do you want to, uh, when, when we have something like that happen in our world, I mean, it just tears such a hole in, in our communities. Where, where, do you, where do you go in your gratitude practice in, in a moment like that? Well, I think that the previous caller um, said something that I'm still turning over, which is that at the end of the gratitude spectrum is appreciation for all that we attend to. Mm -hmm. And when I tie that in with this, what's important to me about being honest, I, I can't have gratitude the day after that shooting about anything related to that. All I can have is grief. Like, all I can have is anger. All I can have is confusion and frustration. And I don't have to go into gratitude right now. Mm -hmm. I get to be present with those feelings. Mm -hmm. I get to attend to the reality of those feelings. I get to let those feelings inform me about what's important for me, what I believe in, and what I'm willing to fight for. Mm -hmm. So to me, that's really where I where I am today. It's not about gratitude yet. And yeah, I may be able to at, at the if, if there's anything, I have gratitude that I'm alive and I'm able to feel. We have been talking about gratitude with writer Carvel Wallace working on a book about childhood trauma. That is going to be so good, and I cannot wait. <laughs> We've also been talking with Emiliana Simon-Thomas, science director of the Greater Good Science Center at the University of California, Berkeley. And I just want to say I am so grateful to our listeners for the things you shared today and they share with us every day, that you call and you sometimes cry, that you make us fall to pieces on the air, that you share all those bits of yourself with us and that you make this show uh, with us. Thank you so, so much. And thank you to Carvel and Emiliana. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me, Alexis. What a treat. What a wonderful day to start this week. <laughs> I'm Alexis Madrigal. Stay tuned for another hour of Forum Ahead with Leslie McClurg. Funds for the production of Forum are provided by the members of KQED Public Radio, the Germanicos Foundation, the Generosity Foundation, and the Heising-Simons Foundation. 
Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set 10 years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. We've all got those parts of our house where the internet just won't go. Well, if you had wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you could worry less about dead spots. Because with wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you get fast speeds, reliable connection in every room, and power for all of your devices, even when everyone's online. That's wall-to-wall Wi-Fi only with Xfinity. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. Did you ever wonder what it's like to live alone, hidden in the woods, not speaking to a single soul for 30 years? Or wander the desert, uncover a hidden well, and dive to the bottom of the deepest water hole for 2,000 miles? The Snap Judgment Podcast takes you there with amazing stories told by the people who live them, with an original soundscape that drops you directly into their shoes. Snap Judgment. Listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.